Welcome back to Disney Dependent. I'm Sarah Chilcott. And I'm Richard Linklater. Why did I say that? <laughs> I don't know, but you just kicked yourself so far away from the mic. Talk now. Why did I say that? Is it because of the movie we watched last night slash... The topic of today's episode, as I get closer. <laughs> I thought you were just going to do the whole podcast <laughs> from the other side of the room. I should. See, just And we don't bring it up. Yeah. We just do it. <laughs> he see. wheeled himself away. Yep. And there's no return. Yeah. We'll just continue on like normal and make them feel crazy. <laughs> no, then they just think that Deanna was not balancing the sounds That's right. That's true. Well, well, we all know Deanna. Well, we have a saying around here. When in doubt, blame Deanna. Don't we say that, guys? No oh, one's ever said that. Only James. James is the only one that blames you, Deanna. That's kind of a Sarah thing. She's the one that came up with that. <laughs> <laughs> Deanna, send your complaints to Sarah. <laughs> send them. I'll forward them to James. Well, how's everyone doing? Real good. Real good. Had today off, which yeah. makes the day even better. I have done that nothing is, but... That is better. Binge watch stupid TV and fold laundry and... You said you started the new Game of Thrones series. I did. Which I am excited to check out. I don't think I can get this one into it. Well, as of today, there's only the one episode out. Yeah. And it's interesting because it's the story of the Targaryen kingdom, whatever. I'm doing it wrong. House Targaryen. House Targaryen. Um, It's the story of their kind of evolution or whatever. And it's... A prequel. Yeah, so it starts, it, well, it starts a little bit before, but the main story starts 172 years before the Mad King dies. Got it. And before Daenerys is born. Can I ask you a question? Yes. Why all of these shows, Game of Thrones, the, the show Rome, which uh-huh. is about uh, Rome uh-huh. in Italy. Yeah. Why do they all have British accents? Good question. I knew that's what you were going to ask, too. You know what's weird about that is it works. I We all just don't question it. Because we here in yeah, America they're doing equate it for us. a British accent with old-timey. Old-timey, <laughs> not, yeah, anything not here. But they're speaking English. That's what it is. It's like, wait, yeah. it's like our way of knowing that it's not of yeah. this era. And... Like if you watched uh, Gladiator, we almost put that on the other night. Oh, by the way, my new thing is ancient Rome. Oh, You know, okay. I have a thing yeah. and I get all into it. That's uh-huh. my new thing. Great. That in Japan. It's whatever. It's complicated. <laughs> but ancient Rome. Yeah. So like, I mean, that movie is the same gosh darn thing. It's about ancient Rome. And I keep everyone... hearing you say anxious. Anxious not, Rome. Not ancient. Did you think it was ancient Rome? Sir, it's anxious Rome. They're afraid of falling. I think That's you're saying king. ancient anxious rome is what it's called <laughs> is he saying ancient <laughs> i swear to god say it again how do you say that word ancient rome <laughs> what are you hearing can i have some peanuts am i saying peanuts or penis i don't know I mean, my guess is you would like both <laughs> i like to convince someone that it's anxious rome <laughs> yeah it's about an old kingdom that you know, they were just very anxious back then. Please, friends, let me know. Did you hear him say ancient or ancient? Well, I kind of always have marbles in my mouth, so who's to say? It's true. And you are currently a little bit frozen from icing <laughs> yeah, your jaw. maybe that's why, too. 
the whole thing got face pain. Long story, guys. You know, face pain. Face pain. I hear something off in the distance. Oh. Uh, this just in, it's 93 and sunny at not Disneyland. And it's 86 and partly cloudy and perfect at Disneyland. Before we launch into the topic of the day, I'm going to have Sarah make James do a Mad Lib that oh, is related to Star on. Wars. Okay, James. Okay. Now, this is a test of how well you can remember what these mean. Um, <laughs> is it like Star Wars things? No, no. Oh. Just basic grammar. Basic oh, grammar. God, this is the worst part about ad libs. I never remember what things are. Okay, so it's mad libs, first of all. But <laughs> What did I even say? Ad libs. Anxious Rome. Anxious ad libs. Anxious ad libs. Okay. That's what it's called. I need a noun. That's, That's a, a person, person, place, or thing. Uh, Yoda. Am I supposed to make it Star Wars? <laughs> you don't have to. Okay. Mm-mm. I don't know if that's more fun or not. I need another noun. Ashley. <laughs> I need one more noun. Darth Vader. Okay. I need a verb. That's like action, an action. Right? Yeah. Uh, run. Another one. Yell. <laughs> another one. Urinate. <laughs> And one more. Eat. Okay. Now I need one, two, three, four adjectives. That's like the script. Those are the describing words. Pretty. We'll do opposite of that. Ugly. Obese. (laughs) Redonkulous. Okay. Redonkulous. I don't know how to spell that. All right. Here we go. Okay. My Yoda is the force, and a pretty ally it is. Life creates it, makes it run. Its energy surround us and binds us, ugly beings we are. <laughs> the obese side clouds everything. Mm. Impossible to yell, the future is. The fear of loss is an Ashley to the dark side. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that adds up. Attachment leads to jealousy. The Darth Vader of greed, that is. Wow. Train yourself to let go of everything you fear to urinate. (laughs) Fear is the path to the redonkulous side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to eating. (laughs) This is pretty profound. Yeah. Hate does lead to eating. The world, according to Yoda. What was the urinate line? Uh, Fear is the path. Oh, no, sorry. Train yourself to let go of everything you fear to urinate. Wow, that is profound. Deep. <laughs> so if you didn't catch that, it was written in backward speed because it's Yoda's. Yeah, it was life. really yeah. hard to read. I was gonna say. Yeah, it's uh, pretty Yoda-ish. Well, cool. That was fun. Thanks, Ash. Yeah, it's always a good time. Let's get a little silly first. Let's get a little silly. Well, this week's episode is all about the phenomenon of people going to Disneyland slash World. After something momentous occurs. Oh, what are you going to do after you won the Super Bowl? Yep. Yep. I'm going to Disneyland. Well, that marketing campaign, uh, we'll cover that, some famous examples of it, and even cover a true crime case from the 70s, where the survivors celebrate the end of their traumatic ordeal with a visit to the happiest place on Earth. The origins of the phrase as a specific ad campaign can be traced back to the 1987 Super Bowl. New York Giants quarterback Phil Simms exclaimed the phrase after their win against the Denver Broncos. 
But this wasn't an off-the-cuff remark. Polarizing former Disney CEO Michael Eisner credits his wife, Jane, for the idea in his 1998 memoir, Work in Progress. <laughs> Eisner says that during the January 1987 grand opening for Star Tours, he and Jane had dinner with Dick Rutan and Gina Yeager, who had just piloted the first aircraft to fly around the world without stopping or refueling the month prior. Supposedly, Jane asked what the pilots planned to do next, and they said, well, we're going to Disneyland. She later told her husband that the phrase would make a really great advertising campaign. But Disney didn't just approach Phil Simms with the offer. I mean, what if the Giants lost? <laughs> so they also got Broncos quarterback Jack, uh, John Elway on board. Should Denver take the win that year? The agreement was that if they won and they say the line, they get $75,000 in return. I will wow. say it for 75 cents. <laughs> God. This became known as Disney's What's Next ad campaign and has been a yearly tradition ever since. Additionally, the format for the commercial itself remains mostly unchanged. A series of game highlights are shown with the song When You Wish Upon a Star in the background. The camera cuts to the selected star player having just won the Super Bowl and the narrator says, James, you've just won the Super Bowl. What are you going to do next? The player looks into the camera and answers, I'm going to Disneyland, or I'm going to Disney World. In true Disney ad fashion, the commercial ends with fireworks over either Cinderella's Castle at Disney World or Sleeping Beauty's Castle at Disneyland, depending on which park is named. Pretty cute. Mm -hmm. Something I learned is that in most cases, that star does two different takes of that commercial, one for each of the parks, so mm. that the ads can be broadcast in different uh, media markets to right. strategically promote either world or land, right. depending wow. on location. That's awesome. And then, in most cases, Disney arranges for that star to appear in a parade at either of the parks the day after the victory in order to fulfill the promise and keep the magic of the ad. James, I believe that you have some videos, some material from the time. Yeah, well, first, so this, I want to play a, a video from the Pat McAfee show. Pat McAfee was a NFL, I think a kicker or a punter or one of those guys. And he went on to start a really large sports media YouTube channel called the Pat McAfee show. Anyway, just for context, mm -hmm. it's got like millions of, of subscribers. This is from two years ago. And the title of it is Why Do Super Bowl Champions Go to Disney? And just a quick him talking about it in the beginning. It's very short. If you win the Super Bowl MVP, you sign a contract, okay, before you go in the Super Bowl. No matter what position you play, even as he a player, I have to sign this contract. On it. Mm. it says if you win the MVP, you will say, I'm going to Disney World. Okay? You say you sign it like a week beforehand. Everybody on the team has to sign it, even people that'll never get it. Patrick Mahomes obviously wins Super Bowl MVP. A lot of people thought maybe Damien should have won it or whatever playoff Damien, which I completely understand because he had a great He's year. He's specifically talking guys, about winning the MVP, MVP but it's also winning the Super Bowl right. or World Series or NBA Finals. It's not just the game, it's the entire run. Patrick Mahomes obviously deserved it if that was the case. I can see the case for Damien Williams. I this part's kind of funny, though. Patrick Mahomes won it. And also, having Super Bowl MVP on the, his resume as he goes for this massive contract is good for the Chiefs and for him. So, whatever the case. I watched him at Disney World yesterday. I don't think I've ever seen anything worse in my entire life. I, I don't think I've seen anything worse. I would not want to do I don't know how much they're paying him. 
I don't know how much the NFL and the Chiefs and everybody have not paid Patrick Mahomes enough. Obviously, he's the face of the franchise and everything like that. But whenever he, whenever he was paid yesterday by Disney World, was not enough. He came fresh off of no sleep. Okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no think sleep. about it. Andy Reid did his press conference with no sleep. I'd imagine that the MVP, the quarterback <laughs> that just won a Super Bowl, also had no sleep. But I'm not saying he got intoxicated. Anyway, he goes off from there. You get the idea. He's talking about the, the idea that you just won the Super Bowl or the World Series or the NBA Finals where now you just get on a flight, poured every bit of your they energy out. They don't actually expect you to go straight there, do they? Oh, no, but they, they do. do. Yeah. It, it, seriously? So, Sarah, in February of this year, wasn't it this year? I'm not the biggest sports guy. The LA Rams won the Super Bowl last. And when we were at Disneyland, we saw like a few of the players walking around and they did the parade down Main Street. Whoa. Yeah, we just happened to have been there around the same time. That's nuts. Yeah. Well, when we were at, well, Disney World um, 2021, it must have been right after the Super Bowl because we saw football players in the park. Yeah. Walking around. In Walt Disney World? Yeah. Oh, that's so funny that, that happened twice to us. Yeah. What are the chances of that? I've been at Disneyland during the Sur- Super Bowl. Yeah. So here but is. Like, would they have come straight from the game? I mean, what? it's like the next day. Okay. Well, that, it, yes. It depends. Yeah, it depends. Like the but LA they don't Rams, always live near the park. No, right. The LA Rams just happened to have hosted. So when the LA Rams won, it just happened to have been when Los Angeles hosted the Super Bowl. Okay. So it's often hosted in a different totally. market as the two teams playing. They do it all the time. Right. They pre decide who's hosting the Super Bowl, right? And it just happened to have been the LA Rams versus whoever. I think it was. I want to say the Cleveland Browns, but anyway, so it was convenient for these players this one time to go to Anaheim, right? You know? But most of the time, it's not that convenient. Wow, they have to fly from you know New England or wherever they just played to Florida. I <laughs> I totally day. like it makes sense to me the whole campaign and having them say it's it. Brilliant. I didn't know that it was something that they actually had to do. Oh, it's a contract. Yeah, yeah, it's predetermined. Like, if you win, you have to say it on, on camera. There's only uh, but been I understand one... the saying it. It's the doing it it's that the I didn't realize it. was actually a thing. Well, even just saying it is kind of funny. Like, yeah. you just won as an athlete. This is the pinnacle exactly. of everything you've worked for, probably from the time you were a little kid. That's why it's a good advertising campaign. It's, it's like, perfect. what's better than winning the Super Bowl? I'm going to go to Disneyland. And every, it's yep. become, like, um, culturally acceptable to, like, to cap off a huge moment was saying, I'm going to Disney. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's so funny. So here's audio of the Super Bowl 2022 I'm going to Disneyland commercial. You wish upon a star Makes no difference who you are Sports scenes, sports scenes, action shots. <laughs> Nameless, faceless football players. It's pretty cute. It's pretty cute. There's a few I wanted to play. Okay. Let me just play a couple because there's the first one. This is the first ad in 1987. This is the first NFL ad. The New York Giants had just won. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. Yeah. Isn't that funny? That long ago, 87 yeah. to 22, it's the same commercial. Super Bowl. What are you doing now? 
And in that case, it's an East Coast team, so they say I'm going to Walt Disney World. Yeah. I guess you said they do both, right? Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, they even did it. There's a legendary... This one is the 2004 Red Sox. They hadn't... We don't have to play the video, but the 2004 Red Sox hadn't won in almost a century. Mm-hmm. Remember, they broke the curse in 2004 mm-hmm. and won the World Series. Imagine the how profound that is. You just won the World Series as the Red Sox, and you haven't forever. <laughs> no one thought you'd ever, ever win, ever, ever, ever again. People, generations of grandpas dying, never yeah. seeing the Red Sox win. <laughs> they win the World Series, and the whole team has to yell, I'm going to Disney World. <laughs> it's amazing. What it's, a weird tradition, it's right? Genius. It's yeah. genius. It's one of the more genius marketing campaigns of all time. Yeah. Well, who gets chosen for these ads? There's no set formula. Super Bowl quarterbacks from the winning team are often chosen, as well as Super Bowl uh, MVPs. But coaches, running backs, and wide receivers have also participated. And the campaign spread beyond just football. In fact, the same year that Sims kicked off the tradition, Magic Johnson of the LA Lakers and Frank Viola of the Minnesota Twins also did it. In fact, I have both of those videos queued up in case. Yeah, it's really cute. Magic Johnson, again, just won the championship for the Lakers. This is Magic Johnson in 87. Yeah. The pinnacle of athletic stardom. And he's yelling like a buffoon. I'm going to Disneyland. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Uh, a random assortment of other pop culture notables have participated as well, including Miss America, mm-hmm. a bunch of American Idol winners, and even Jolly St. Nick himself in 1997. What? No way. In what context? It was just an ad. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I haven't looked at it, but I would imagine it's like... A Christmas Santa Claus, you've just... Uh, right. Flown across the world in one night to deliver presents to the world. What are you going to do now? I'm going to Disneyland. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> I think you guys may have just done it word for yeah, word. Yeah, probably. Sure we did. If it's anything different, I don't want to see it. <laughs> uh, fun story. In 1994 at the Walt Disney World Parade, uh, Winter Olympics figure skater Nancy Kerrigan hmm. was allegedly recorded saying to Mickey Mouse himself, this is dumb. I hate it. This is the most corniest thing I've ever done. <laughs> she later said that her words were taken out of context and that it You're wasn't right. the parade that was corny, but rather her wearing her silver medal in such a showy way. Kerrigan also went on to say that she had nothing against the Disney company or Mickey Mouse and said, quote, wow. whoever could find fault with Mickey Mouse, he's the greatest mouse I've ever known. <laughs> As opposed to all the other yeah. mice she's friends with. That shows the power of Disney. They're like the mafia. Yeah. It's like, oh. Oh, no, no, oh, no, no, no. I didn't I'm mean not, to talk. I didn't, I mean, I'm not shit talking Disney. I'm not talking. No, 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 no. No. It's, it's my medal. Yeah. I'm ashamed of my medal, not of Mickey. You don't talk shit about the mouse. Maybe the They'll mouse was actually who sent the uh, the knee whacker. <gasps> Dude, I bet it was. Tanya Conspiracy. was hired by Mickey Mouse. She was mouse. a patsy. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> solved it. Uh, For the 2020 Super Bowl, the ad also showed Mickey and Minnie Mouse with a 10-year-old Make-A-Wish child named Nathaniel. During the Disney World Parade, in addition to whatever sports star was being honored, I didn't care to look, Nathaniel also took part, representing the Make-A-Wish Foundation. And the much-maligned Disney suit Bob Chapek then announced a $1 million donation to the Make-A-Wish Foundation. And 17 other children from the foundation got free passes to attend the parade as well. Oh, those lucky ducks. So maybe he isn't totally 
I love incarnate. that you just didn't look up the yeah. athlete. Cause Here's the thing. They actually listed it, and I deleted it. <laughs> like, I don't care. Irrelevant. Also, I just said 17 kids from the Make-A-Wish Foundation, which typically means they're terminally ill. I just said lucky ducks. <laughs> That's true. Not always terminally ill. Yeah. But... Okay. Oftentimes. Unfortunate. Yeah. Still not bad circumstances. Not great, right? You don't land in the Make a Wish Foundation because everything is rainbows and unicorns. Can can I get can I be a member of the Make a Wish Foundation if like I don't get my coffee right at Starbucks? No. Does that count? Because <laughs> it happens a lot. It has to be a lot worse than that, actually. Like when they add the sweetener and I said no sweetener. Like, okay, that might be enough. <laughs> that might justify. Like I'm, I'm suffering, you know? You're a suffering. I'm a suffering. <laughs> Do you guys remember that old Mark and Brian sketch? Not that really. Is that Mom what and dad, dad always... used to play for us? I thought he's always just quoting old Yeller. No, it's it's them doing old Yeller. <laughs> oh, is that what it is? Yeah. Ma. Yeah. <laughs> Get the gun. Get the gun. He's a suffering. Dude, Mark or and no, Brian. Yeah, and then the kid is like, um, no, but he's fine. I think he, no. <laughs> yeah, 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 no. he's, he's a suffering. He's a suffering. <laughs> he just has a headache. Just <laughs> he's wait a fine. second. He's fine. Just wait a minute. <laughs> I was going to say, Mark and Brian, they're one of those, like, they invented podcasting totally. before podcasting was a thing. Yeah. That just hours of them just rambling on the radio and mm-hmm. everyone allowed it. And they it was have popular. One of them, I can never remember which one's which, but one of them, uh, dad said, I am that one because I show up and don't know anything and just laugh the whole episode. Right, right. <laughs> Someone's got to do it. Someone, you know. It's yeah. true. I Take need one for the team. Totally. Media. Well, it's not just sports and entertainment stars that flock to parties after big life events. Wait, nope. Go back. Yep. It's not just sports and entertainment stars that flock to the parks after big life events. According to Mickey Travels, an authorized Disney travel agency, more than 1,200 couples host Disney weddings and plan Disney honeymoons each year. We see them every time we're there ourselves. And I'm sure most of our listeners know someone who spent their honeymoon in the parks or maybe even did so themselves. According to Brides.com, quote, A Disney honeymoon can cost anywhere from 4000 to $10,000, depending on how long you stay, oh. what type of park tickets you want to buy, if you want to stay in a deluxe resort versus a value resort, and your mode of transportation, among other things. And if you do decide to take your honeymoon in the parks, they recommend that you flaunt it. <laughs> because the article continues, quote, On arrival, honeymooners are advised to pick up the complimentary celebratory button from any cast member, then... The more that you let cast members know that you are celebrating your honeymoon, the more pixie dust and special attention that you will get. Sure. You can range, this can range from complimentary Mickey ears to being asked to open a park or even a private ride on Kilimanjaro safaris. You never know what extra perks will come your way at dinner either. So they encourage couples to mention their honeymoon when making all reservations. Sometimes, she says, sometimes you get access to the best tables at the restaurant, such as Tankside at the Coral Reef or Lakeside at Crown and Rose Pub, and occasionally a complimentary beverage or dessert. It's funny what they encourage you to do and what they don't. Like, they they don't just not encourage you to propose, isn't it? They don't want you to. Have you, se- have you seen that video? Yeah. Some, some guy, they like go up on like a pedestal. To be fair, they go up in an area where you're not really supposed to go that's up on. That's what it is. That's really what it is. Yeah. Actually, let me rephrase that. That's that's a good point, Sarah. It's not like they're saying don't propose at the parks. 
they're saying you can't go behind this roped off area. You can't make it about you, you know, and, and people do it all the time. They do it all the time They jump up in a little elevated area in front of the castle and try to make it about them behaving badly in the parks. Yeah. There's a good video of like a cast member stopping a proposal. He goes blah, 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 up and he like grabs them and directs them down. He's like, like, do I'm just, right just doing it right here. Mm-hmm. Literally 10 feet right here. And people start booing him. <sighs> wow. I know. It's That's about like me. the thing that you guys always say when someone like cuts you off. Oh, it's your special day. It's your special day. We do it all the time it's now. It's all about you. Yeah. Oh, please. Please. Continue. Do your yeah. thing. It's your special day. That's right. Well, it is my special day, to be fair. Always. Uh, but let's move on to our true crime story, wherein the survivors celebrate the end of their ordeal with a trip to Disneyland, complete with a hero's welcome. This is the story of the Chowchilla school bus kidnapping, the largest kidnapping for ransom in our history. Jeez. Whoa. James is going to set the scene for us. It's a pretty crazy story. I know okay. nothing. Let me set the scene, okay? It's the summer of 76 in Central California. You're driving down the road in your Chevy Chevelle. Your girl's in the passenger seat. She's wearing bell-bottom jeans and an Aerosmith concert t-shirt. <laughs> you know the moment you're in. It's the mid-70s in America. Vietnam had just ended, and you're thankful for that. The only thing on your mind is finding some grass and making it to the party at the Moon Tower later that night. <laughs> <laughs> the, warm summer, the warm summer sun is just about to set. You're messing with the radio dial, trying to find a tune that captures the bitchin' moment. And then you find that song, Slow Ride by Motherfucking Foghat. <laughs> and you step on the gas, and you know the summer's going to rule. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> You're not wrong. It's going to be all right, man. <laughs> What a song, dude. All right. Well, we're in the moment. Thank you. Okay, thanks, man. You really put us there. Yeah, I, I really feel the wind in my parted down the middle hair. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to read excerpts from a Mental Floss article from 2019 by Jake Rawson called Buried Alive, the California School Bus Kidnappings of 1976. Here we go. It was late afternoon on July 15, 1976, when the man in the pantyhose mask climbed aboard the school bus. Only moments before, the children of Dairyland Elementary in Chowchilla, California, had finished their second-to-last day of summer school. Few dreaded the obligation. Dairyland's summer program was fun and full of activities like crafts and swimming at the community pool. Some of the kids were still wet from splashing around. Many were wearing their bathing suits. They had all boarded Dairyland bus number one and greeted the driver, Frank Edward Ray. Monica Artery, five, was the youngest. Mike Marshall, 14, was among the oldest. In between were kids from all different grades, 26 children in all. As the man waved a gun and ushered Ray to the back of the bus, two other men in masks joined him. They said little other than to prompt the children to move from the front seats. As one man stood in the aisle, the legs of the pantyhose dangling from either side of his head, Artery, the five-year-old, had no clue that she and her schoolmates would be driven for 11 hours to a rock quarry where they would be ordered to climb inside a moving van buried in the dirt. 
She couldn't know what the men wanted or how the older boy, Marshall, would act with a courage that belied his age to stifle what would soon be one of the largest mass kidnappings in the history of the United States. Okay, I do remember this from one of the many different true crime podcasts I've listened to. Yep. Yeah, this is a nightmare. Okay, Mm -hmm. continue. All Artery saw when those panty ha- uh, were those pantyhose legs, almost comical in their appearance. They reminded her of ears. Maybe she thought it was just the Easter Bunny. Hmm. Um, I'm going to skip the parts focusing on the kidnappers' backgrounds because fuck them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I will tell you that they were looking for money and ways to make it big. And from what I understand, too, they had they came from money. Yes, their families had money. That's important. The They're, kids or the kidnappers? The kidnappers. kidnappers. They were just scumbags. Yeah. Just a group of kind of well-to-do white guys. And they Ugh. they thought this was a clever way to get a ransom yep. money. Um, earlier, the men had discussed getting into the film business. <laughs> they had conceived of a screenplay about the perfect crime. And at some point, they decided the idea would be more lucrative if they simply committed it for real. Um, Later, James, one of the kidnappers, recalled that he had read that the state of California was experiencing a billion-dollar surplus. He told himself that that meant the state could spare $5 million if it guaranteed the safe return of several children. They plotted to intercept a school bus using Woods' father's quarry, the other um, kidnapper, Mm -hmm. as a place to contain their victims until the ransom was paid. Children were selected, James later recalled, because they would provide little resistance. Frank Ray, who went by Ed, was a farmer who had been a part-time bus driver for 23 years. With his young passengers on board, he was driving down the narrow Avenue 21 in Chowchilla that afternoon when his route was interrupted by a white van parked in the road with its hood up. At first, Ray thought he might be able to go around the van. Then he decided that they may need help. Before he could make a decision, one of the men wearing a pantyhose mask and brandishing a gun demanded he open the bus doors. The gunmen then climbed on, ordering everyone into the back of the bus. They traveled for roughly 15 minutes before one of the men steered the bus into a thicket of tall bamboo, obscuring it. Ray and the kids were ordered off and marched into two vans that were ready nearby. The windows inside the vans had been blacked out, making it impossible for the children to know where they were going. All that they knew was that the drive seemed interminable. Hmm. An hour passed, then two, then four. By the time the vans came to a stop, they had been driving for a total of 11 hours without any water or opportunity to use a bathroom. Where did they end up? We'll get there. Older kids tried to console the younger ones by singing songs like, If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If the kidnapper's intent was to remain tight-lipped in order to keep the kids relatively calm, it worked. But once the children were let out of the vans and saw what was happening, several of them began to scream. One by one, they were led into a hole in the ground and ordered to descend a ladder. Below ground in the quarry was was a moving van with an open hatch on top. It was buried in the woods quarry. So it was the one of the uh, kidnappers, his father's quarry mm. is where they ended up. Right, that's right. And it was actually not super far from where they were so they were the 11 hours of driving Uh, around was just to confuse them yeah okay wow where the hell did they i mean how do you do that without (laughs) wow i don't know um like you'd think they'd be caught yeah i mean blacked out vans i don't know 
They're blocked out vans. Mm -hmm. Okay. Two moving vans. So at that point, I mean, they knew that there was a missing school bus, but yeah, they didn't know to look for two different vans. Yeah, it's not like they were driving the school bus around. Mm -hmm. So it was buried in the woods quarry so that the captives would be unable to pierce the metal walls of the cargo area and keep it hidden from view. To the kids, however, it was nothing more than an oversized tomb. The men demanded the names of the kids along with their addresses, phone numbers, and a small article of clothing like a piece of a shirt or, in Mike Marshall's case, a cap. Under protest, they went inside where they were confronted with mattresses and a paltry amount of food and water. When all of them, along with Ray, were inside, the men pulled the ladder up and dragged a steel plate over the opening, weighing it down with heavy tractor batteries. This was covered with plywood and dirt, which only added to the anxiety of the mm. occupants. God. Satisfied, Woods and the Schoenfelds, the three kidnappers, th- drove away. It was 3.30 in the morning. The bus, which had long been overdue to make its final stop, had been reported missing. And the small town of Chowchilla was already in a panic. The police were at a loss. Terrorism was mentioned, but Chowchilla, with its population of just 5,000, seemed like an unlikely target. The press reminded authorities that years prior, the Zodiac Killer in San Francisco had once threatened to kill a busload of children. Without encouraging hysteria, the police said that they were taking every possible scenario under consideration. The school bus had been found around 7.30 p.m. the night of the July 15th, so that same night, just hours mm. after the kidnappers had intercepted it. A pilot canvassing the area spotted it in the bamboo. Inside, police found no blood or any signs of foul play. Pieces of clothing were scattered on nearby roads, an attempt, an apparent attempt to confuse anyone on their trail. From Friday night through Saturday, parents waited at home in a collective state of shock. All the calls to police and each other had jammed the local phone system. That proved problematic for the kidnappers, who had planned on phoning authorities with their demand for $5 million in ransom. And this is a huge part of why things went south right yeah because that was their plan it's like we're gonna we'll hide them somewhere which is burying them alive mm-hmm. but they thought they were hiding them and then we'll make a quick call yeah we'll just call in easy peasy easy peasy they have a billion dollar surplus they'll give mm-hmm. us the money but they're too fucking dumb in a small town in the 70s and they didn't realize that everyone all the parents all the friends all the neighborhood friends are all calling at the same time right yep. everyone's calling the authorities at the exact same time Pandemonium. So dispatch is overwhelmed. The the ransomers can't get through. Yeah. That's <laughs> so crazy. And they're so dumb that they don't think to call a different... Or just do anything yeah. else. Literally anything else. Send Jesus. a letter. Do, yeah. Yeah. Time after time, they tried calls, making calls without any success. Satisfied that the children weren't going anywhere and were tired from driving the 100 miles to Livermore and back to their hideout, they made a decision that would imperil their plans. They decided to take a long nap. <laughs> I mean, that's These what you lazy do. fucks. Yeah. <laughs> in the moving van, things were deteriorating. The kidnappers had put in air vents and fans to keep air circulating, but almost all of them had stopped working, leading to stifling conditions. The van reeked of urine. There was only enough food for one meal. By the way, this is sort of common with like sociopath, sociopathic people. You know, like depending on what you believe, what happened with JFK, man. But, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, the Patsy, the guy. Uh, Oswald. Lee Harvey, yeah, Oswald. 
apparently he drank he he shot the president went downstairs and bought a coke before leaving the building right. again it depends what you believe but this is pretty common there i mean there are a lot of stories of people committing murders and violent acts and then taking naps or you know going for a drive or so many <laughs> like so common serial killers are known to do that kind of thing where they'll like murder a whole family yeah. and then sit down and eat a turkey sandwich because because they're they're just checked out they're just completely void yeah imagine doing what they did you know even if it was just about money like there are children being stuck underground somewhere and you go and take a nap yeah <laughs> that's fucking bonkers man yeah good lord okay well, Ray did his best to maintain his position as an authority figure, consoling the kids and maintaining an upbeat attitude, but it was difficult. The dirt thrown on top of the moving van was heavy, and the roof was beginning to sag. Ugh. Ugh. In the heat of a California summer, the inside of the van was easily 100 degrees or more. Ray had no way of knowing whether the kidnappers had designs on getting money or and releasing them or letting them starve and develop heat exhaustion. Did you catch where Chowchilla is? It's mm. in between Stockton and Fresno. Mm. So just hot as Armpit. hell. Yep. Nothing out there. It's right off of, what is that, 99 out there. Okay. So like just a little bit east of the I-5 yes. freeway. So even more inland. Uh-huh. Just hot and miserable. As the hours passed, a positive resolution was looking less and less likely. Like the others, Mike Marshall was tired, hungry, and scared, but he was also growing indifferent to the consequences of making an attempt to escape. Ray was initially hesitant. He feared that one of the men had been left to stand guard and might become violent if confronted. Mm. But Marshall persisted. Let me remind you, Marshall is 14. Yeah. Marshall persisted, enlisting a friend, whose identity is unclear, to help stack mattresses near the hatch so that they could climb up and reach it. Wow. Using a wooden slat from one of the box springs, Marshall started jamming it in the small space between the van and the steel plate covering the opening. Marshall's one of the students, you said? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, there's a funny story about Marshall, too. I'll get to it at some point. Uh, when he had enough room for his fingers, he gripped the plate and kept shoving, dislodging the tractor batteries and the dirt as his friend and Ray helped. Mm. It took hours, but he was eventually able to dislodge the plate, the plywood, and the dirt, emerging out into the sunlight around 7.30 p.m. that Saturday. The children had been missing for 27 hours. Oh, wow. Oh. So he... He wedged the mattresses in a way, you said? that. No, he climbed them. Yeah, he climbed on them, and then he just um, wedged his hands, like, just trying to get in between the hatch and the ceiling yeah. and the plate that was on top of it. Wow. It doesn't seem like you could do that. It took hours. <laughs> wow. Those steel plates, if I'm picturing and, what that is, yeah. and soil. And soil, tractor yeah. batteries. So it's yeah. really heavy. Yeah. Wow. A 14 year old kid well and yeah. to not have the right leverage mm-hmm. to be mm-hmm. probably a little too low yeah isn't it pitch black too isn't that part of the story like yeah. like no light completely yeah. void of light i think so like well that was some one of the videos i watched on this that's that was one of the details that really stood out to me because yeah. as they close that lid off there's just no light yeah you know that like you can't see your hand from your face kind of no light and it's a hundred plus degrees yeah oh um, the, so the kids climbed up the mattresses and began running with Ray toward an office in the quarry. Marshall ran into the woods, intentionally separating himself from the group in case they ran into the kidnappers and he needed to get help. 
Fortunately, the men had not bothered to leave anyone behind to guard the van. Of course not. At the office, a man keeping abreast of the news knew who they were immediately. This world's been looking for you, he said. (laughs) Uh, Soon parents went from the darkest day of their lives to the brightest. All 26 children and Ray were alive and largely uninjured. Wow. Their fear disappeared, replaced with a throbbing anger. They wanted the perpetrators. Wow. Ray gave the police a terrific break. Under hypnosis, he was able to recall one of the license plates on the vans used to shuttle the victims to the quarry. Oh, that's so crazy. That's crazy. He even remembered most of the plate number on the other van. Authorities matched the numbers to vans found in a San Jose warehouse that had been leased by Woods, whose father owned the quarry. Mm. A search of the Woods estate, by the way, that's how rich he is. He has an estate, Mm -hmm. revealed a draft of a ransom note. They're so dumb. So dumb. Um, But the kidnappers were nowhere to be found. They had learned their plot was foiled when they woke up from their nap. (laughs) and Useless turds. And heard radio reports about the escape. They took off. Soon, a national manhunt was on for Woods and the Schoenfelds, who were considered armed and dangerous. Alarmed by the all-points... And sleepy. (laughs) Definitely sleepy. (laughs) Alarmed by the All Points Bulletin announcing the search, Richard Schoenfeld decided to turn himself in after roughly a week. Days later, James Schoenfeld was arrested in Menlo Park after someone recognized him during uh, driving his van. Frank Woods was located in uh, Vancouver, British Columbia. Wow. The ensuing coverage of their respective family wealth confounded parents and the media. <laughs> All three men pled guilty to kidnapping for ransom as part of a deal to drop 18 counts of robbery. Wow. They maintained a plea of not guilty to charges of of kidnapping with bodily harm and passed on a jury trial. Prosecutor David Minier uh, convinced Superior Court Judge Leo Deegan that the crime carried with it bodily harm, since three of the children reported some combination of nausea, nosebleeds, and fainting. Well, yeah. That charge carried a mandatory sentence of life in prison without parole. All three were found guilty. Each man received 27 such sentences, one for each of the kidnapped victims. Good. Oh, wow. For Ray and the parents of the victims, it appeared that justice had been served. For years, and in many cases decades afterwards, the kids of Chowchilla experienced tremendous anxiety, including nightmares. They were having an anxious Rome moment. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's why the... the the Roman Empire fell. <laughs> in, anxious. in anxious Chowchilla. Yeah. What uh, happened? <laughs> they had been locked in a dark, urine-soaked metal box for 16 hours. That's well, just my life, man. <laughs> 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 While the town was jubilant, throwing a parade for Ray and accepting invitations for the children to head to Disneyland, Aww. it was obvious the incident would leave permanent marks. Life without parole was not a fate anyone in Chowchilla had a second thought about. So, there's since been some legal back and forth regarding their sentencing. Did they cause bodily harm? Did they not cause bodily harm? Do they get parole? There's been a lot of appeals and yeah, all that. Like recently, even. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Ray went back to work for the Dairyland Union School District just two months after the incident, driving Dairyland bus number one, the same one that had been hijacked. Wow. Along with Marshall, he was the one primarily responsible for keeping the kids calm. Although he did not consider his actions heroic, he was celebrated by then-President Gerald Ford. Yeah. <laughs> who wrote a letter congratulating him on his courage. There's some great interviews with him, too. 
With both of them, I think, but him specifically, I remember watching. He's a really sweet guy. Yeah. Um, Ray passed in 2012 at the age of 91. Wow. Well done. He had bought the bus from Chowchilla because he didn't want to see it sent to a junkyard. He later gave it to a neighbor who keeps it indoors on his property, an enduring testament to 27 brave individuals as well as one of the most bizarre crimes ever recorded. Marshall, interviewed intermittently over the years for various anniversaries, also never considered himself a hero. He was not, in fact, even supposed to be on the bus that day. His mother normally picked him up, but in this case forced him to take um, an alternate transportation, i.e. the bus, because she had caught him sneaking beers with a friend. (laughs) The teenager who had helped avoid a tragedy picked Dairyland bus number one, more or less at random. Wow. Um, a little bit about the aftermath of this. Um, so there was a later interview with the kidnapped victims, Larry Park and Jennifer Brown. Um, so it says, just five weeks after being buried alive, the gutsy children of Chowchilla and their bus driver, Ed Ray, were hailed as heroes. There was even a trip to Disneyland. Larry Park says, and everyone thought that it was great because the good memories of Disneyland would overshadow the bad memories of the kidnapping. And when the kidnappers were sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole on February 17, 1978, the legal ordeal seemed to be finally over. Wow. Uh, Jennifer Brown says, in a way you try to be normal, but when you've gone through something that's so traumatic, it's hard to go back and be a normal kid again. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Um, And an update to the case, it was reported on a CNN article just a week ago on August 17, 2022. The article is, man who kidnapped a bus full of children in 1976 officially granted parole. So Frederick Woods, now 70, is set to become a free man after he was granted parole on Tuesday, according to the California um, Department of Corrections. Woods was originally found suitable for parole in March, but Governor Gavin Newsom referred the decision for review by the full parole board. During the review, the board affirmed that the hearing that the hearing panel's decision to grant parole woods and the brothers um, had pled guilty to the crimes. Um, but an appeals court later overturned the sentence saying that the men did not cause serious bodily injury, what? therefore should have the chance for parole. Um, Richard Schoenfeld was paroled in 2012. His brother James was released in 2015. Woods's attorney said that she is elated by the board's decision to grant him parole, which she said was the result of Woods's record of demonstrated remorse, participation in self-help and therapy, and consideration of public comments from members of the of the public who strongly support his release. Who? Yeah, who? In sum, Mr. Woods has shown a changing character for the good, great maturity, insight, and remorse for the arrogance and poor choices that he made nearly 50 years ago. The corrections department did not disclose when Woods would be released, quote, due to safety and security concerns. And that's where we're at. <laughs> so when did they go to Disneyland? Right, at, right after that? Five weeks after. Because they were asked, like, what do you what do you guys want to do as a group? I mean, yeah, they threw a parade for them. You've just been kidnapped and buried alive. In a year what and soaked you metal box. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to Disneyland. <laughs> when you end <laughs> up <laughs> And then they put them on the submarine. <laughs> Just pure panic. I'm just standing in the corner going, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've Pretty been bad. there too. I've been there too, guys. I have my own trauma. These these assholes always make me go on this stupid ride. 
Uh, my sources, real quick, are brides.com, Stuff You Should Know, the podcast. Also, listen to that episode on the Chowchilla school bus kidnapping. It's very good. Uh, Mental Floss, Wikipedia, CNN, and CBS News. I want to show Damn. you. This is an audio-based show, but for you. Look at these kids. Look how cute they are. Oh, my God. Just little little kiddos. Little precious little kids. Little kids. Little pumpkins. Sheesh. That, that is bananas as a parent sarah is that one of the worst things ever to not like know where your kids yeah, you're are like, where, where's katie she never came and home to realize like, oh well she was on the bus lot and you find yep. out the whole thing and man. so i think the only thing that would make it worse for me is if she was the only one missing oh right knowing mm. that my She's kid with was a with a bunch of yeah. other people would somehow bring some course, kind of, of comfort. Not a lot, but... Well, you know, they're, they're going to help each other out on some level. And yeah. She's not alone. Just not being alone yeah. with kidnappers. Although, it's not like you know what's happening. No. I mean, the lack of giving an F from those three guys. Yeah. How does that happen? I'm surprised they even set up ventilation and fans to begin with. They clearly didn't care enough to make sure that they were functioning or that they would continue working. Yeah, no yeah. kidding. The bare minimum to kind of keep them alive because it was about the ransom money, I guess. They certainly didn't test it themselves. No, they didn't. And they also didn't think this through very well. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> let's call them a few times. Can't get through. Screw it. Let's take a nap. Should all work itself out. Let me see what five th- or $5 million was. Five million in 1976 is about 26 million today. Oh, hot damn! Okay, so it's kind of worth. So it's it's almost a million dollars per kid. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, man. Tight. Damn, that's horrifying. (laughs) I I think I have to go to Disneyland. Oh, that's true. All worth it. A 1976 version of Disneyland. That's true. A little tough. That's not the same thing at all. No. I mean, it's not even close to the same thing. Mm-mm. You don't even have Space Mountain yet, do you? I don't know. Uh, it's like right around that time, I think. I'm Space the worst 70s. with know, remembering anything. I've been told so many times, too. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we so have many a times. podcast, and I have no idea. Ay, ay, ay. We don't know things. We've never said we did. It's like I'm a big baseball fan, but I don't remember any of this, the stats. I can't remember any of it. And people are like, oh, I thought you were a baseball fan. I'm like, ah, you know? It doesn't mean I'm an encyclopedia. Yeah. Well, that was interesting, Ash. Terrible. Horrifying. Now that you've listened to this podcast, what are you going to do next, people? I'm going Go to, to Disneyland. Disneyland. And it better be Disneyland, not Disney World, because Disneyland is much better. We're going to Disney World. Yeah, and I'm really excited. About it. <laughs> really excited. A bit more excited than I would be if we were just going to Disneyland. Speaking of crime, I have been watching a show called The Offer. It's on Hulu. Um, It is the story of the making of the movie Godfather. Or The Godfather. Uh, Oh, I've heard about this, Sarah, and I hear it's awesome. It's really good. Uh, Giovanni Ribisi, that weirdo. Yeah. He plays Joe Colombo. And so he's like the mob boss. Oh, so it's a re- it's not a documentary. No, it's, it's a series. It's a series about, about the making 
Of yes. It. Got it. Oh uh, my God, that sounds So great. it's the story of Mario Puzo, who wrote The Godfather, the author, yeah. the movie, or the book. Sure. Being asked to write a screenplay or a script for the movie. And then the whole... Is Francis Ford Coppola part of it? Yep. Okay. They get him in, and then uh, Miles <laughs> Teller plays the producer, Al mm-hmm. Ruddy. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole bunch of people in it that yeah. you would recognize. Yeah. I mean, tons and tons. I hear it's, I hear it's really well done. Yeah. So it, it's telling the story of how they made the movie, despite the fact that the Italian-American community yes. does not want this movie made because it... It depicts is, them as mobsters and right. criminals. It, right. It is a little derogatory. Mm-hmm. The book was. Right. Um, so, and I've never read the book. I don't know if that's true or not, but in the show, that's the way that they make it seem. It's like, I've we're going to make all before. these Italian Americans yeah. seem like a bunch of criminals. Well, Martin and- Scorsese gets a lot of flack for that. Yeah. But he, he made it seem like, you know, all Italian Americans are mobsters. And right. It's, like, it's not true. It's not true. Not even close. But. The mafia also does not want their dirty laundry being oh, aired. right. So they're involved. It's a whole thing. And I am, I think I'm probably like episode four or five at this point. I have no idea how many episodes there are in total. But as soon as I finish the series, I'm going to watch all of the Godfather movies because I know I've seen them, but I don't remember them at all. Mm. Um, it's so great. The whole story about how they're trying to get Al Pacino and the head of Paramount doesn't want anything to do with Al Pacino because he's just a little, what do they call him, like a little rat actor or something like that. <laughs> just like he's he's a no-name Broadway, like they don't know he's him. He's not the guy and that we know now. He's small and frail right. and he's not. He's really young too. Then. He was really, really young. young. Gangly little guy. Yep. And yep. then the guy who plays Marlon Brando. So perfect. I can't remember his name. He's somebody mm, too. And Love it. Yeah. Anyway, awesome. that's my recommendation for the week. It's called The Offer. Have you seen The Godfather, Sarah? I the have, dude? but I don't I remember, remember them. Them. Okay. Yeah. One and two are amazing. Two is arguably one of the best movies ever made. Mm-hmm. One is great, slightly dated. Not not by a lot, right. but there's a, it's a little 70s y. Yeah. But the second one is just that, that will like stand the test of time kind of mm-hmm. movie. It's genuinely good and fun. And De Niro, that's when De Niro's in it. Right. He plays. The Godfather, Marlon Brando, but as a young man. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. My recommended pick is an SNL short. (laughs) Have you ever seen the Papyrus? How how do you say that? Papyrus? Papyrus? Papyrus. Papyrus. Have you seen that? It's just called Papyrus. I don't know. It has Ryan Gosling in it. Uh, Does that have Kate McKinnon? I don't know. I don't know okay. if she's in it. I, I'm picturing something, but... I'm trying to explain it. It's it's so weird. It's one of the <laughs> funniest, weirdest shorts. Basically, years after the Avatar release, the movie Avatar, <laughs> this guy just can't get over the fact that they used that font oh, for yes. Avatar. I have seen it. It's so good. <laughs> and he's like, they hired a designer, a graphic designer, and like... And that's what they said. That's the font? <laughs> You mean it's just papyrus <laughs> that you can just toggle down on your computer? And it's like That's destroying it? his life. It's destroying his life. And he's like trying to connect the dots and he's up all night. And, and then he finally finds, he finally finds out that's what it is. Kate McKinnon is his therapist. Yes. And she's like, oh, well, did you hear they have a, a sequel coming out? And he's like, they do. And he's so much weight lift off his shoulders. Like they fixed it. She's like, 
uh, it looks the same. And he's like, no, <laughs> those bastards. <laughs> it's so weird and funny. And it just gets like darker and darker. <laughs> God, it's it's one of the best ones. There was an era of the SNL shorts that are yep so good i think anything kate mckinnon touches is gold oh my god. have you seen the one she does where We're, she's abducted abduct- oh my god <laughs> just smoking she's just like batting at her, yep. her boobs yeah oh god dude that one is unbelievably funny it is they always go like 20 seconds too long yeah. It's like, it. this was really funny. It peaked, and then they just keep going, and it gets to a point where you're like, okay. Yeah. The plot of that one is basically like two people have an experience that's more like what you've heard before. Like, one of the girls, she's like a peace-loving, like, it was just full of light. and Yeah. She's warmed in warm the and, yeah, blanket of love. And she's like, yeah, that wasn't my experience. <laughs> no. Total white trash. <laughs> yep. Her outfit is so perfect. She refers to her... Oh, her she butt. refers to her... His poop butt, shoot. Her poop, her poop shoot. shoot. Uh, but there's cooter, like... Her cooter and her poop shoot. Yeah. Yeah. Her cooter and her poop shoot. Her That's coot. right. Coot coot. Coot coot. Yeah. Oh, anyway, we're it's, butchering it's it. Good. You gotta watch yeah. it. Um, the animal hero of the week is an animal that Sarah showed me last week, and that is Leonard the Bearded Dragon. I love him so much. Pretty cool. Um, I don't really follow him because I don't do TikTok, and he's only on TikTok, but he's Lizard Lenny on TikTok, and I love him. And he... I bet there's an Instagram account, Ash. I looked. I, I, I saw it. it on Instagram, I think. Okay, it must be like a... Maybe on like Sarah does have TikTok. I know. No. Okay. I have That's it. how I... she's watching. Well, I'm going to follow him then. Um, but anyways... the bearded dragon. He's very cute. Oh. He's constantly eating his mom's food, oh. which I love about him. Yeah. He's a total asshole yep. love it and he has just world-class elbows yes he does <laughs> he definitely does and that's it cool man well, here's to you leonard <laughs> well we did it i think we uh we've taken up enough of your time mm-hmm. thanks for listening to another episode of disney dependent see, see you real soon. soon anxious rome <laughs> You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Disney Dependent. And you can send us an email at DisneyDependent at gmail.com. This podcast is produced by Producer Ash. The logo is by Ryan Hatch, and you can find him at WR Hatch on Instagram. The music is by Ryan Knowles, and you can find him at Ryan Allen Knowles on Instagram. This show is mixed and edited by Deanna Chapman. You can find Deanna at Deanna underscore Chapman. And this has been a Team Dynamite Goat production. All right. Well, thank you for listening to the show, and we'll be back here next week.